Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for tuning in. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, I applaud you for coming and being part of our little teeny community. We are having some fun uh, with this show. What I do on this show is I interview people from a variety of backgrounds who are entrepreneurs, who are solopreneurs. They're inside a company and they just have that entrepreneurial spirit, or maybe they have a, a side hustle, or maybe they're a CEO of a larger company and they're, they're trying to make sure that their business is operating with that entrepreneurial flavor. And we like to find out what makes them tick. How are they doing it? And the idea is inspiration for you to be able to be more effective and more excited about what you're doing in your career. And today is no different. Today I have Mark Pittman. And Mark is a leadership coach to nonprofit executives. Now, I work a lot in the nonprofit world being a professional speaker. A large portion of my business comes from working with nonprofits and associations. And I'll tell you, it's a tough world to be an executive in a nonprofit. There's a lot of things that you don't face working in the corporate world that you have to deal with when you're in the nonprofit world. So Mark does really, really important stuff, but it translates back to all of us, no matter what we do. So I want to welcome Mark Pittman to the show. Hey, Mark, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks so much. It's awesome to be here. So I love the way you prefaced it because we can be entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, but we can also be intrapreneurs or we can just have an entrepreneurial spirit in an organization. Those are all important. That's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Mark, you know, I don't like sort of formal bios, so I don't go into details about people do, but could you tell everybody a little bit more about your business and what you do? Well, so you know those uh, executives that people that go into a nonprofit to do good, and then they just kind of they they get pulled apart because in a in a corporate world you have the customers who pay for your income, but in a nonprofit world you have the board who's your boss if you're exec if you're a CEO, and you have the staff who you report to, and then you have the people that you help your clients, but they're all funded by the donors over here. So there's all these different spinning plates. Um, what my firm does is help with coaching and training, help them get it all back into in, in, in integrity. Concord means of one heart, of one mind. So they're not a split minds. So they have peace and actually enjoy the work and doing the good that they, they intended to get into to do instead of being always stressed out. So what led you to starting your own business? What did you do before this was your career? Oh boy. Um, well, I was born at a young age. My parents' names were mom and dad. No. So, um, so I got to jump in there. So uh, Michael O'Neill, who was kind of a mentor to me, he has a podcast called uh, The Solopreneur Hour. He gets all over my case saying, don't let the guests introduce themselves or they'll go back to, well, I was born a poor child in this. And you're the first person to ever go there. So, <laughs> I'm so Mike, Michael would that. love you. I'm going to tell Michael to listen to the first five minutes Michael of this episode. Michael was right. You should listen to him. Don't yeah. let them um, introduce themselves. <laughs> Um, so the, yeah, my, my wife always says that I give a $10 answer when people want like a 10 cent answer. So I'll, well, we'll, I'll we'll take, we'll take the 75 cent answer. What, I was going to do what, a buck 50. What sorry. led okay, you 75 cents? <laughs> um, what, what is your career path? Form, yeah. The, I grew up, I had a weird, uh, growing up wasn't important because my fa parents got into Amway really early in the eighties early in my life. So I was born in the seventies, but in the eighties I got into Amway and, Instantly, I, they they knew that this was something that Pittman's did. Uh, Pittman's went to school, and then Pittman kids also had Pittman homework, which was reading Zig Ziglar, reading Dale Carnegie, listening to motivational speakers, taking notes on a tape, uh, side of a tape, and doing goal setting things. Um, so 
around 16, I made a commitment to never be dependent on one income stream. And that's really what led me to this. I've been studying direct sales or direct marketing and whatever I've done, I've tried to do it so that I wouldn't have to uh, be dependent only on one paycheck. So what do you love then about this life that you've created as sort of an entrepreneur with multiple income streams? Oh, it's, well, lest it seems like all rainbows and unicorns, what I love about it is <laughs> yeah. it's- wait, 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 you mean that our world of being entrepreneurs and solopreneurs isn't all rainbows and unicorns? Oh no, was I not supposed we, to say that? We don't tell people on this show that <laughs> there's the any crap. We have it all That's right. it's, 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 it's if you're in this world, you know, you 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 poop bright colors. It's all wonderful. I, absolutely. So, no, actually, we try to expose the dark underbelly of this. So go ahead. Well, so the, the good, what I love about it is um, I don't have to ask permission before I do things. Uh, my family just went to Jacksonville for Jacksonville Jazz Fest. Um, one of the things I have to do is learn to give myself permission to do certain things, but there's a level of flexibility of uh, being a your own boss that without employees. Um, so right now I don't have employees either in part because um, that's something that I've created for myself. I'm looking at maybe doing some contract work uh expanding that way. But I just love the, the kind of charting your own course. That's scary because you don't have a roadmap all the time, but it's also really exciting because like every morning uh, that I'm home, I bring coffee up to my wife and we sit and pray for, for, for a half hour, 45 minutes and talk about the day and strategize. And part of that over the last decade, so the second half of our marriage so far, we've been doing that, helps us to live intentionally about what is it that, why did we first get together and then our our, our our activities helping us further that. Uh, and I love that kind of intentionality. So does coffee help with prayer or does prayer help with coffee? <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no. The cat, the cat, one time there was one of, one of my mentors went off on a tangent once and said, there's no anointing without the caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. So so keep going. What is it What is it that you like? And then let's sort of in, in get involved with maybe the other side. But we'll get a few more things that you really like about this life that you're, you're carving your own path. So, yeah, personally, I love the flexibility. What I also love is the leverage that we can have in impacting others. Um, I think when I were, as I've been in the employed positions I've been in, I've been able to help others and impact others. But there's uh, something that's really, it feels like it's um, just a lot stronger to be able to help others excel at what they do um, and choose, kind of choosing who you want to help. Not everybody that comes to you is your best client or, or customer and being able to be honest with that and say whether it's because you don't have the skill set or the talent base or you just don't want to work with them. Um, there's, you know, there's all sorts of different reasons. The third, I think a third thing I love about this lifestyle um, or this entrepreneur journey is watching my kids. I don't know if you've seen this too, but not my kids. You haven't seen my kids, but. Um, <laughs> well, with the internet, you don't know what we see. No, no, I don't, Actually, I don't know your second. kids. I am pretty much out there. Um, but watching our kids structure life because we also get to homeschool. We thought we were going to be living overseas. And so we do homeschool and I did my work so that it wasn't geographically dependent on anything. And so just to watch them take approach life with goal setting and uh, outcomes orientation, not just process and putting in time uh, has been really rewarding to see how people respond to that in the different areas that they're into. 
Well, it is interesting because some people, you know, they, they integrate their kids into their entrepreneurial life. And some people, people keep their kids sort of at hand's length from their business. And I think my kids got the first one. They, you know, I went, they were, I don't know, gosh, they were like 12 and 10 or, or maybe younger than that. They're five years apart. I think they were like eight and 12 when I started on this journey of being full-time solopreneur. And, you know, part of it was there was struggles financially. And so we were just honest with them. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I said on the, the previous podcast to this one, I actually was making a joke that my daughter got really worried about money when she was like 12, yeah. about, you know, what happens if you can't make it? And we told her, look, you're too young to worry about that. That's mom and my job to worry. But just, you know, as long as we have brand name Cheerios, you know, you know, you're okay. If we ever bring home Costco O's, then you can start getting concerned. And, <laughs> and that was sort of always our ongoing joke was, oh, okay, no matter what's going on, there's still Cheerios. So, so we're okay. <laughs> so uh, one of the times I was going, um, going, praying with my youngest daughter, uh, I said something about, uh, I prayed for her. What do you want prayer for at the end of the day? And she told me. And so then she said, dad, what do you want prayer for? And I said, well, I really like my, the, the business to grow and um, to be able to help more people and to keep working, you know, just keep that growth going. And so she translated that in her 10 year old, 11 year old self to dear Lord, please help daddy make money so we can still have cheese. It's an ice cream. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. But, but I think being exposed to the realities of running a business and the ups and downs yeah. of, of having to make it happen. And the fact that you make sacrifices as a, as a professional speaker and master of ceremonies, I travel a lot and they didn't yes. always like having me gone, but the, the, the sort of family line became, you know, that daddy travels cause that's how daddy buys the toys and they liked the toys. So that was, you know, cool that I would go away cause there would be more money for toys. But I notice now <laughs> that they're both kind of budding young adults. One is 20 and one is 15. Both of my kids are really good problem solvers. I mean, I'm really yeah. proud of both of them. If something doesn't go their way, they start looking at, well, how can I make it happen my way? And, you know, my, my older daughter had something. She was off at college and she wanted something and didn't get it and went back the next year and tried out again and, and got it. And other people wouldn't have gone through that process again. And I said something to her and she said, you know, saying no to me once doesn't mean it can't happen. It means I just have to figure out a different way to get it. And I thought, God, I wish I was that way. Nice. When I was, if I was that way when I was 20, I'd be running the world right now. But, you know, it took me until I was much closer to 50 to start understanding that I had the responsibility that if, if I got a disappointment that I could fix it. And I don't think that that, yeah. was, that was shown to me necessarily because my parents were great, but they were definitely, my dad worked for the same company for 45 years and retired with a gold yep. watch. Yeah. Well, and that's where I think uh, as a Gen Xer, we saw, I saw a lot of our families growing up, our friends' families having those experiences. What I loved about my parents um, was they were very intentional, uh, but I loved being exposed to the success literature and leadership stuff early on. Um, and I think our kids are actually living it much more so than even I did uh, because they're they're seeing we lived in Maine for uh, 10 years or more than 10 years. And then we moved back to we moved to a place we've never been the last two years. We've been here in Greenville, South Carolina, because we needed a different culture. We wanted to see one of the things I do as a motivational speaker and uh, master of ceremonies at conferences is talk about the guy with Limburger cheese. Have you heard about this? No, I have not. OK, so this is one of those classic motivational stories. It's probably totally urban legend, but it. Really a good story. Um, guy has uh, Limburger cheese on his mustache and, and he's in his kitchen and the kitchen starts smelling. He doesn't realize it's his cheese. He, he says, boy, it smells in here. So he goes into his bedroom, you know, to see if there's something wrong there. It smells in here too. Wow, that's awful. And he goes into every room in his house. Oh man, this, this, this place just smells awful. So he opens his door, runs out on his lawn and takes a big deep breath. Ah, oh, the whole world stinks. 
Um, and it talked about stinking thinking and negative attitudes and all. Well, our kids, when we moved from, we did, there are certain aspects of things that we didn't like where we've lived. And so when we moved to Greenville, one of the things that we knew as a family was we're going to look to find out what's the Limburger cheese and what was really an issue with <laughs> our previous communities. So <laughs> just love having those touch points with people. Plus another thing that we've done is each kid at eight and then subsequently has gone on speaking trips with me because I do a lot of speaking, National Speaker Association, around the world too, like you. Um, and so they've gotten to go to the sessions with me and I was able to tell my youngest, I'm, I'm nervous. She kept saying, dad, I'm eight, dad, I'm eight, dad, I'm eight. When am I going to go? And I finally said, look, I'm really scared. And she said, why daddy? Because the other two kids would think that they, you're going to sit there and you're going to think I could do better than daddy's doing. And the other two kids would think that, but they'd stay back on the back table doing their homework or, you know, working with, you know, hanging out with the books or whatever. You might have the chutzpah to go up on stage and try to fix it. And I don't know what to do with that. And she went, oh, so what can we do? And we ended up strategizing that she'd sell the books. <laughs> it was really cool. <laughs> How old are your kids now? 17, uh, they change every year, 17, 15, <laughs> and 12. So have so. you taken them to the teen leadership program that the National Speakers Association does? No. Ooh, that's so, great. I'm and, going to my first conference this year. I oh, haven't been to. So. Excellent. Well, uh, congratulations on coming to your first NSA NSA conference. You have to go to the first timers meeting that they do. They always do like an orientation. Oh, because it's my first. That's a good point. That would be why you would go. But a lot of people, <laughs> you know, a lot of people, because speakers go to conferences all the time. And, and being, Right. It doesn't be, feel like a first time conference. And, so. and, be, and being a first time speaker, being a first time attendee at the National Speakers Association doesn't mean you're a new speaker. So a lot of people think, well, I don't need to go to the first timers association. I'm totally a half million thought. dollar okay. a year speaker. The reason you need to go is the speaker who they have doing the program for the first timers association is just going to blow your mind. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be the best <laughs> they've ever had as a is first Is it going to be Bob Berg? No, oh, it's, it's me. Be Tom Sa- oh, it's right. wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you have to come to the first timers thing because I'm the speaker. But, awesome. But, but the other thing, and you, I didn't do it my first year because I didn't know it existed, but they have a teen program for age, like I forget if it's 10 or 12 through 16, where they essentially, the way this got started was like 30 years ago, somebody looked around and, and all the speakers brought their families because it's at nice resorts. Oh, and yeah. 30 years ago, most of the speakers were probably men, but they looked around and they said, all the kids are in the swimming pool. And all and there's Zig Ziglar having a cup of coffee by himself. Why don't we get a ballroom next year and put the kids in the ballroom and rotate through Mark Victor Hansen and whoever the famous speakers right. of 30 years ago, Zig Ziglar and and uh, Harvey McKay and whoever the people were from 30 years ago and talk about life leadership. It's not a speaking camp. It's really a leadership thing. Yeah. And uh, they do charity work and the kids love it. So I brought my daughter when she was 13 and she went for four years as an attendee, and this will be her first, fourth year now that she's 20 as a counselor in the program where she's a leader. And then my 15-year-old, this is her third. She started going at 12, and so this is her fourth year, third or fourth year. Wow. And then she'll have one more year, and then she wants to go back as a counselor. The, the downside to it is the kids all make friends with the children of other professional speakers, but then they sort of gang up on us because they start talking about what's what's your opinion of your parent <laughs> as a speaker. and. That's awesome. You know, but, That's but my, really cool. my youngest daughter, especially because of the technology differences in the past several years, she all year long, she's Skyping and talking right. with these people. And she'll tell me, oh, I was just on the phone with, you know, John Petz's daughters. And John Petz is another speaker who's a really good friend of mine. But it's like, you were what? They live in Ohio. And she goes, oh, yeah, we talk every month. We have like a scheduled Skype call with like four or five of our friends. And I'm like, yeah. you know, so it, it's kind of it's neat. It's so interesting watching how the kids are doing stuff. Like when my my oldest was uh, eight or 10, he would do stick figure things with a, there was some sort of uh, Nintendo DS sort of 
flip chart thing. And he developed a tribe of 12, 200 people that looked for his stick figures. Yeah. Uh, well, now they're connecting with people that they meet at conferences. It's great. I love so, this. So I'm an you, extrovert, so I love the connections. Well, and so look at, keep your eyes open this year when you're at the conference about what's going on with the youth program, because it might be something for your younger, especially your youngest, uh, yeah. you know, can grow up in the program and have, have sort of friends and, and things like that. So, hey, so we got sidetracked here. What are some of the things you don't like? About the life well, of an yeah. So part of the things that uh, it seems like there's for entrepreneurs anyway, there seems like any number of people that want you to, and I guess this is three fingers pointing back if we do it wrong, pointing back at us, but any number of people that want you to spend money. So part of the reason I haven't gone to a lot of conferences is the value hasn't always been there, but you don't know that as an entrepreneur, sometimes you kind of on your own. So you don't have the right necessarily the right circles um, to be able to extend and say, is the NSA conference worth it? Is that something that would be a good investment? Um, and the other side, other, other part, the big part that I was thinking about was the lack of security. Um, the, you know, the healthcare got to the point where it was going to cost more than my mortgage this year. Uh, mine, mine surpassed my mortgage a couple of years ago. Yeah. So we've, we could talk about that offline, but there's just different, there's, um, there's this sporadic nature of speaking too. So I've looked at some of my nonprofit consult, uh, organizational development friends. I know, I'm a Franklin Covey certified coach. And so the coaching, and then there's the consulting. And I realize now they go to conferences to speak and they get gigs out of it. The conference is my gig. And there may be people that also hire me after, um, but the episodic nature of that kind of income can be, um, you, know, you go through Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey, and and it sounds really good. And then you realize, but wait, <laughs> my paychecks, although the paychecks to the family are every other week, uh, the way we structured it, the paychecks to the business that fund that are episodic. And so learning to grow as a financial manager, as well as a motivational speaker and, and executive coach, um, isn't always as sexy as it looked like when I was 16, seeing people from the stage. Yeah. Story of my life. I've been doing this full time for eight years and, and it, it hasn't always yep. been uh, rainbows and, and unicorns. That is for sure. <laughs> so, but, um, so the under, so that, I think that's part of it. And I think the other part is the isolation with what I love is with, it, with technology that we have now is that there are so many of us that can get together in different ways, whether it's just a, a regular phone call or, you know, really good. I've been a part of a couple good Facebook groups where it's just business people helping business people build their business or work their business, not through self-promotion, but having somebody come in and saying, Oh my goodness, I can't believe this just happened. Is anybody else struggling with this? And getting real. Um, and I don't know that uh, our parents and other people had that same level of connection because those people aren't often in our community. And if they are, we're not often the ones that should be talking to them that way. And it, so. can, it can be very lonely and being a solopreneur, but just the nature of the word, you take the first part of it and you're solo and it can be very, <laughs> you know, it can be very lonely. And one of the best things I did for the last four years, I've been part of a mastermind group. Uh, it started yep. out with five. It quickly became four speakers. We were all <laughs> sort of established, but still up and coming. And Every single one of us has transformed our business and grown, and we're we're sort of like uh, each other's board of directors, and we're all very different. One of them, we we were actually asked to come to a National Speakers Association chapter and talk about why our mastermind Smart. group has been so successful. If you ask any of us, we look at each other as like extra siblings. We have such a great relationship, and it, there's other groups so that have had that, but ours has really gotten strong. And uh, I think it was uh, Jessica Pettit made the comment that if you looked at the four of us, we wouldn't buy the same car. And I just busted That's out laughing. so important. I just wow. busted out laughing because I thought, what a great way to describe how different we are. You know, it's like we, we would not drive the same car. We're so different in our core. 
And yet we've all been able wow. to to bring different things to each other and help each other in our in our business and our and our personal lives. So so I think, I, think you, I love that about entrepreneurship because I think that sometimes um, by the nature of organizational structures, we tend to get people that would buy the same car or we start becoming looking the same way and having the same values and all, which is good. But um, I pastored a church for four years, entrepreneurial church startup. My wife said, Okay, if we're taking this church because there's no paycheck, you need a paycheck because you just started up, you know, your fundraising coach at the time that Conquer Leadership Group was called Fundraising Coach. Um, and so we need a steady paycheck if we're going to do two entrepreneurial ventures. Um, but um, where was I going with that? We were talking about looking the same and 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 hanging out. Oh with yeah, people so like I, so when people could become members of the church, I'd go through the membership class and everybody. Oh yeah, this is great. And I'd say, you know, the pastor that prays for everyone and and has a is always there for the congregation is really get you know got their back and everything. And they're oh yeah yeah yeah. Well, we're gonna need to pray that person here because. I am the other kind of pastor that you didn't know existed. I like people that don't believe like us. I want to be out of these walls. I don't want to constantly be coming into this building. I want to be hanging out with a pint at the Cinco de Mayo party and just being real with people. Uh, and that we didn't grow much beyond 40 people for the four years that we were there. It was a little different. But, um, but that's what I love about, you know, we get to choose those people that wouldn't, wouldn't buy our cars. And I think that's something that we need to do as, as individuals, wherever we are in our leadership is get people that don't agree with us. So if uh, someone do have our best interests at heart, so not, if, some, that aren't, yeah, if someone's listening to this show and they're thinking, yeah. God, I, I love what Mark's doing. The fact that he's sort of creating several paths and different streams of income and he's done all this stuff and he's a man of faith and he's doing all these things. And I want to do that. I want to go carve my own way in the world. What advice uh, would you give them? Uh, the first thing that popped into my mind is don't do it. It's crazy. Uh, but then it was immediately followed by do it. It's awesome. Um, the, I, I think I made, I put emails out about 10 years ago. I've been doing this full time, but then had a, a, you know, that paid job to pay for my entrepreneurial habit. Um, since 2003, but I, I, about 2005 or 2006, I put out emails to a bunch of my, my colleagues and said, how do you know when to take the jump? How do you know when to make the leap to this? And, you know, people were talking about all the different things that they looked for for metrics. And my mentor coach from Franklin Covey said, why jump? Why not build a bridge so that you can walk over it? Um, so I would say that anybody that's thinking about getting started, um, it, you know, your, your other guests have said this too, but start a blog. Start just giving your perspective on the spin of life. Uh, find your voice. Find out what it is that how you contribute differently. Um, and you know, when I, one of the things that is crazy as you grow in that is writing a book. So if you I know that you have some sort of expertise, for me, it was fundraising. So I didn't want to write a book. There's a ton of great books on fundraising. But I finally wrote a book and my blog readers named it. They called it Ask Without Fear. And uh, that became something that has been a calling card that I've used all the way through. And, and my mentor, Charlie Tremendous Jones, said, uh, you know, this book isn't, he published that book. He said, this isn't going to make you money. It's just going to be an expensive business card, which was very helpful. But it has gotten me into different places just because there's a print book. So, um, but the first thing, don't worry about the book if you're just getting started. Start thinking about building a bridge and starting to think about exploring what is it that you have that other people may want to pay for. Um, and if you're a little further along that, I would strongly encourage you not to charge people less because you have a paycheck. Uh, I had to make a decision early on that I was going to be a boutique, not a Walmart. I didn't want to have a race to the bottom of cheap prices. I wanted to have the kind of, I wanted to be the, the, whoa, how'd you get Pittman to come to your organization? So, um, I would encourage that. And part of it is if you have a paycheck now and you go on, let's say speaking gig. 
you get a speaking gig. Um, and then tomorrow you don't have a paycheck. You're doing this all on your own. It's not the client's fault that you don't have a paycheck. You shouldn't be, I, I couldn't figure out how I could charge them twice as much as before because of my employment situation. They're paying for my expertise, not because I'm employed or not. Um, so those are a couple of things I would recommend to get started, but it's fun. I mean, it's really, it's really, it's a great adventure. So I got more questions for you. <laughs> I can't let you go yet. Awesome. But, but first, I've got to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode, yay. yay, this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of starting your own podcast. And I know from the emails I get from listeners of this show, a lot of people want to start their own podcast, but they're overwhelmed. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment and training and the guidance that's going to ensure that you sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and that technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Mark Pittman. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer they have for the listeners of this show. So, Mark, I call this show. Yeah, no, I'm excited. They're the best vendor I've ever had. That's why they sponsor this show and I love them and I send everybody to them and uh, they have been great to work with. So awesome. So everybody laughs when they listen to the show because I, I had one guy I met the other day. He goes, yeah, I listened to like five episodes. I feel like I'm best friends with Podfly, the way you talk about them. And I said, oh. well, you know. <laughs> and I love the cool, the way you use cool all the time because that's a word I use a lot. My kids used to make fun of me. Well, I wish all my vendors treated me as well as Podfly and then I'd talk about them that nice. way too. So, Very hey. Well I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now? Oh, my goodness. The coolest thing I'm doing. Um, probably because of Podfly, I'm thinking of the podcast that I run, for, which is interviewing leaders. It's 10-minute interviews of nonprofit CEOs and leaders that talk about what they love about leading and one, a time that it didn't work out and how they got over it. Because so many leaders in any organization, at least in the West, I don't know if in other cultures, but in the Western world, we, we kind of organize ourselves into a point of isolation. And um, so many leaders, although what we are, what's most personal to us is really most general to the people around us. Uh, you know, that's scary. You walk into a, a networking room and you feel like, oh my goodness, what are people thinking about me? That's probably what everybody else is struggling with. And so that should be a trigger for us to be able to meet that need in other people. Uh, that doesn't always happen in, in, a, in our organization. So I love interviewing people for the Conquer Leaders podcast and just having them tell their personal stories. People are so giving and vulnerable and open. And uh, so that's been very cool. No, oh, awesome. So the other question I love to ask people besides, you know, sort of who do they admire? Because I think I think great entrepreneurs want to do more than just make money. I, I think they want to find a way to give back. And as you've told we us do. about. Yeah. Well, as you've talked about, <laughs> you've talked about your background with, with being a pastor and everything else. This is probably a layup question for you. But what is it that you do to give back to the greater good? My life. I be the best steward of my existence on this planet. No, uh, part of what I want to do, one of my life goals, and I'm not there yet by any means, is to uh, live on a reverse tithe. I currently tithe. Um, 10% of my income goes to, to at least 10% goes to charitable causes. But the other, I want to do a reverse tithe. I want to live on 10% and give away 90%. Uh, and I've had some good leaders early on in my life that said, oh yes, that's that's doable. People have done that and you can do that too. Um, the thing is, I know what how big I want the 10% to be. So I know how big the 90% needs to Go be. Go out and earn more money, Mark. It's great. Yeah, it's really exciting to think about different ways to do that. But um, 
so there there are some free things that I do and some charitable things that I do. Uh, I, I, I for me, par, a large part of what I do is motivated by wanting to give back. So. Um, whether it's a very inexpensive membership site that is one of the one of the companies I run, so that any nonprofit can find the help that they want, or it's actually making donations, um, it just excites me to be able to give back and do good. Um, we we loved uh, the, the first time I got out of debt, and I enjoyed getting out of debt so much that I did, got right back into it, so I could try it again. Um, the first time though that I got out of debt, <laughs> God, that's uh, the story of my life. <laughs> the uh, paying, just giving charity, giving you know money to church or causes that I support and care for, felt like staking a, uh, a flag in the sand saying, you know, it's all or Gandalf on the bridge saying thou shalt, you shalt not pass. It was just a sense of this debt doesn't own me. I made some dumb decisions. I'm paying for this lesson or I made inappropriate decisions. They weren't all dumb, but they were expensive. Um, but this giving, get, writing this check, putting this credit card number in on this donation form is, is this is the real me. This is what I really value. So um, I love giving to causes like that, like Love 146, which helps um, kids that are t- rescued from traffic, sex trafficking, helps them pull their lives back together. Uh, Embracing Hope, which is so fr- friends of ours uh, adopted a kid from Ethiopia and then they did realize, wow, there's a lot more to do here. So rather than just adopting other kids, which they did, they moved to Ethiopia and lived in Cora in the slum, the dump that uh, had the bad landslide. And for the last five or six years have been working with mothers and their kids trying to help the moms and kids stay together. And the moms get a job outside of picking the dry, the dump and the kids get mm. an education. Wow. And now they're going on to Istanbul, which is cool too. Nice. So supporting either individuals I know or organizations I really respect. Well, one of the things we did is almost, a, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago, we created the Kate Singer Endowment for Cranial Facial Surgery and Research. And I haven't talked about That's this. That's a in, mouthful. Well, I haven't talked about this in a while, but our youngest daughter was born with a condition where the bones in her skull were fused together. And at six months old, she had to have yeah. the cap of her skull removed. And, wow. you know, she turned out great. She's 15. She's beautiful. She's a straight A student. She's smart. She's a problem solver. But- you know, it could have gone lots of different ways and she could have had a pretty seriously limiting handicap that could have caused some pretty damage to her her skull and her brain as she grew. And so we were fortunate. And, you know, the old saying to those who you much is given have to give yeah. back. There's, I, I biffed that saying, but if you're fortunate, you've got to, you got to serve others. So we just tied a small percentage of my income as a speaker to donations to two children's hospitals. And over the years, it's grown to over $60,000 that we've nice. raised and donated. And it's, you know, I don't come from a family that has their name on the wall of a hospital. And yet, you know, we give this money and we uh, we did it when we were broke and we do it when we're not right. broke. And I've come up with the phrase compounded generosity. It's like the old idea of nice. compounded interest. And I say old idea because banks used to actually pay this thing called interest and it would compound. <laughs> now banks just take your money and they let you look at it. But, I know. Uh, but the the idea behind compounded interest was it would it would magically grow over time, and uh, the same thing is true with your generosity. Whether you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter. You just give a little bit, and you do it as part of your ongoing giving, and as you've done through a lifetime, it all adds up. Well, and I would say that I love the compounded generosity idea, but I also would say for one of the most important things you said was through thick and thin or through the tough times and the, and the good times. Um, I have found that usually giving in get terms of giving, it's not going to, there's never going to be a time where it feels like you have enough to give, but if you give 
you're going to find that other needs are taken care of. Um, it's just a weird economy. And I think it speaks about your heart and your generosity. I think there's, that's why I love one aspect of my leadership coaching is fundraising coaching, teaching normal people how to ask for money. And it's so much fun because you're connecting with other people's generosity and that becomes addictive. Well, and the most, the most interesting thing is my daughter Kate is now 15 and she actually said one day, you know, what if I take this over? How big could it get? Ah, how, how big, awesome. how big could these giving funds get over, you know, two lifetimes? And I thought, wow, wow I mean, that could be, you know, I mean, it'll be hundreds of thousands of dollars before I'm done, but it could be millions of dollars before she's done. Absolutely. Yeah. And think of all the people that would be helped from that because that's not, a, it doesn't, it sounds like it took you by surprise and it would take others by surprise too, but you can be there in those times. Wow. Yeah. I mean, who knew, really the, who cool. knew the bones in your head could fuse together before you were born? Never crossed my mind. I know, mind. right? Yeah, who knew? And it's, you know, it's not uncommon, but it's not that common. It's one in... About one in 3,000 kids are born with some sort of a craniofacial abnormality, but it was one in about 10,000 have the the issue that she had. So it's common-ish, but it's interesting. I sometimes tell the story on stage about how we found her doctor, and probably every time I do that with an audience of three or 400 people, you know, it's thousands of people who have it, but someone in the audience comes up and says, my son had that, my cousin had that. Isn't that amazing? One guy came up to me recently and pulls back his hairline and shows me his scar and goes, sagittal synestosis right there. So, you know, it's like small world. It's like, you know, a little club of, of people who had to go through such things. It's nice that it's a, it's a, something that would be above the neckline as opposed to like pulling down the pants and showing your yeah, butt cheeks. I don't, see right I, don't, there. I don't need to see that scar, but thanks. <laughs> hey, hey, Mark, thanks for being on the show. If somebody listened thanks to this and, and, and they need to know more about Mark Pittman, how do they find you? Uh, Google. If you Google my name, Mark, at, at the uh, back in 1999, I decided I want at least 50% of my the Google searches of MARC. P isn't uh, Peter, I-T isn't Tom, M-A-N. Uh, so it's Mark to, with a C and Pittman with one T. Yep, to lead to me because there was an actor that had the same name and he was in movies that were not the ones I'd choose to watch. Um, but the the brand of companies I have is ConcordLeadershipGroup.com, FundraisingCoach.com, and the NonprofitAcademy.com. So those are places you can find out about me. Twitter is great though, Mark A. Pittman. Excellent. Well, Mark, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And I say it every week, if it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, because what Mark had to say just might be that little piece of inspiration that you needed to give you that little kick to go out there and get your own business going or growing. Hey, thanks again for tuning in. If you like the show, jump over to iTunes and leave a review. Follow us on Twitter at Cool Podcast. There's a Facebook page, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And if you want to get involved with the group coaching program, The Potential Project, it grew out of this show. Guests said, hey, how come, our listeners said, hey, how come you don't have a coaching program like some other podcasters and so I did and we've got the potential project and you can find that at Tom Singer T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R dot com hey we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Mark Pittman but in the meantime I'm going to challenge you go out there and have a great day Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.